Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Let's get this party started. This is Ghetto. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. It's on a website. This is FNA. Man, get out my way and watch out as I come. <laughs> I am a god. Now what? Why don't you get out of that jumpsuit and let me smack that fat ass? <laughs> That's a scary crew. As far as the product goes. Uh, voice of a new generation, man. You guys are the young guys. Are really at the top of their games. The two of them had something in common. We bring you Radio Ecstasy. Oh, it's beautiful. Broadcasting live from the studios of AM570. FNA. FNA. Let it happen. This is the FNA Podcast. Friday edition of the FNA Podcast. I feel like it's been a minute since we've done a Friday show. Yes, sir. Well, but you know what it is? That's my pleasure. That's, That's our right. pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Friday, Friday. R.I.P. to John Witherspoon. R.I.P. to uh, Debo. Is there anybody else? DJ Pooh? The franchise well, as a just, whole because they can't make yeah, another one without those everybody's guys. Everybody's just falling apart. Damn. I know. Cube. Yeah. Be safe. Chris Tucker, be safe. Love to Chris Tucker, by the way. I, I was able to watch the uh, the Air movie the other day. How was it? Not bad. Is it on Amazon Prime? It's on Amazon Prime. You don't have to pay anything. If you're a Prime member, you can go and watch it. Uh, and uh, it's really good. People mm-hmm. seem as like the best movie. Well, maybe it's the best movie of the year. As we know on this show, I don't watch a lot of movies, so I don't know. It was good. I don't know if it was like, oh, my God, knock my socks off, you know, run through a window. But I thought everybody did a great job in their roles. Say what you want about Ben Affleck. Good director. Yeah. He's had a very good track record as a director. I don't think he was terrible as Phil Knight, to be honest. Uh, I thought Matt Damon knocked it out the box as Sonny Vaccaro. I thought Matt Damon did a great job. Great Uh, job. How much Jordan propaganda in this compared to The Last Dance, would you say? Not as much. There's wow. definitely some at the end, I'll say, without you know blowing too much. There is some. So less propaganda in something that's not a documentary well, than The Last Dance. Well, I'll put it this way. There's propaganda in that you have to understand the backstory. And, and if you know the story, I mean, they've, they've done the media around. Sonny Vaccaro's been on a couple of shows yeah. and talked about how he went out of his way to court Michael Jordan and like how Nike would have been threatened with bankruptcy if it didn't work out. So Sonny did as much as he possibly could to pump Jordan up to the Nike brass who didn't want to hear any of it. So he went out of it. He you know, busted his ass on a, on a college kid 
who was a what the second, third pick, third pick in the draft behind Sam Bowie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the propaganda part of it, where people started believing and all that stuff, if you even want to call it that, was towards the very end. But I wouldn't say like there was a lot of like Jordan is the greatest Jordan. If anything, more of the movie was rife with skepticism about him so than it was about, about pumping him up. The only person who pumped him up was Sonny. You're telling me Jordan didn't have final cut on this? No, <laughs> I. I feel like Jordan was consulted some on it, mm-hmm. uh, but generally speaking, I don't think this. Was, Michael Jordan didn't have any hand in the production or any of that stuff. I think he was consulted potentially. Be, be a big hand. Yeah, would be. So, yeah. spoiler alert: Is MJ in it? No, that that's not a spoiler at all. No! We we knew from the very beginning Michael was going to be in it. I mean, it was out in theaters three months ago, it was, right? It, it was. just came to yeah. streaming. Okay. Ben Affleck said like six months ago before it was even released that like. He thought it would destroy the narrative if we put Michael in it. They didn't want the real Mike. So, I really didn't. They just didn't want to pay him. But that's just me. <laughs> so they did, they said they wanted to find the right fit, and it wouldn't work out. So they just even the guy that plays Michael Jordan. I feel like I'm not talking out of school and saying this. You don't even see his face. Mm. He doesn't have many lines. You see the back of his head a couple of times. Okay. So that's most, the way to do it. Yeah, Cheat around it. Yeah. Most of the Jordan experience, quote unquote, is done with Viola Davis, who plays his mom, who does a great job. Uh, so that it's most most of the Jordan family dealings and all that, or they they really don't paint David Falk in the greatest light, to be honest. Okay, uh, his but, agent. Yeah. So who would you want to see, or what other shoe would you want to see a movie about? Grandmama. That's <laughs> yeah, not, and that's LJ. not that's not only because I, those are the only shoes I could afford, and the only shoes Mom would buy me when I was a kid. Same, because I wouldn't get into little pennies. I wouldn't get no MJs with the straps on each exactly, side. Absolutely. Now later, when they were at the Nike outlet. Like 10 years later, (laughs) I did get the Penny Ones. There you go. (laughs) They were nice, but they fell apart very quickly. I'm sure they did. The reason they were at the outlet. Are you sure those are the real ones? Shouldn't have been playing in those. Those come here from Taiwan somewhere? (laughs) Uh, Maybe. (laughs) I mean, they probably all did. Anyway, (laughs) so I would recommend it. Definitely. You don't have to go see it. You can just see it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, I would definitely recommend it. Greatest movie of the year. Don't know if I go that far. As good as Argo was? Ooh. (laughs) Argo, no. I think, won Best Picture. Yeah. Ben Affleck's Argo. And, yeah. of course, I saw Argo much later than you know when it initially came out. But as no. good as The Town. I never, I've never seen The Town. It's pretty good. That's what I hear. It's pretty good. I've not seen The I'll Town. I'll tell you, he's a good director. Gone, no. baby, gone. Didn't uh, the head coach of the Celtics quote The Town the other day? Somebody brought up. He brought up a line. He kept quoting The Town. Uh, By the way, Joe Mazzula, who has, who has the, you know, Vic always says the painting of a rice cake doesn't satisfy hunger. hunger. Joe Mazzula has about the personality of a rice cake. Talk about a guy who has no fun. Jesus. Well, well, he tries to have fun by not calling a timeout when his team's getting run off the floor. That entire third quarter of game one, he doesn't call a timeout. I never understood. I, I didn't get it. How, Sway? You're yes. not Phil Jackson. He was Phil, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're going? not that guy, pal. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on there. <laughs> Joe? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, but All yeah, right. definitely go see it. Uh, but as far as our show today, uh, we mentioned a Friday edition of the show. Call the Talk Yes hotline at 949 478 1197. We want to talk some shit. We have voicemails to get to. Good. At the back end of the show. So we look forward to that. Hit us up on social media as well. At KFIG1, at Follow Adam A on Twitter, at FNA Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Kevin, we had a game last night. We did. Game two. Mm hmm. How, uh, how'd you feel about it? This is a Laker fan. Or- I felt great for about 90% of it. <laughs> and then they were up by 10 with three minutes left of yeah, the third. Yeah, then Jamal Murray decided to turn into Bubble Jamal Murray. Yeah, you know, and uh, and lit him up. There was even you can't even. That's just like you throw your arms up. I guess the only thing you can say is, I wish the Lakers had somebody who could have just matched his intensity and matched his efficiency towards the end, like Anthony Davis or LeBron James. 
They hit but, five straight threes at one point, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. There's not much you could do about that. And LeBron was right post-game saying four out of five of them, we had a hand. They were contested. Murray, got, Murray, I think, had three of them, if I remember correctly. He had, he had his, his share. He scored 23 in the fourth quarter, and a lot of those were threes with Dennis Schroeder was all over him. There's nothing you can, more you can ask for. The Lakers didn't do anything wrong in that particular sequence. Offensively, they did plenty wrong. His 23 in the fourth, most in the last 25 years in a playoff game in the fourth quarter. The only other two guys to have scored 20 at least in a fourth in a playoff game, last 25 years, AI and MJ. Mm. <laughs> and Rarified Jamal Murray error. has done it, I think, four times now. Now three of them may have come in the bubble. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, Jamal Murray, to a certain degree, is kind of turned. There's playoff Jimmy Butler. I wonder if there's playoff Jamal Murray to a certain degree where these guys just turn it on. The lights are brightest. He's great. He, he's amazing. One of the best scorers. Now, the, the defense leaves much to be desired, and maybe they try to attack him more in game three. We'll discuss all of that and more with our next guest. Let's see what kind of mood he's in right now, Adam. Phone's ringing, dude. Thank you, Donnie. Well, the Lakers are down 0-2 in the Western Conference Finals, and instead of who wore it better, I'm wondering who smoked it better. LeBron with that missed layup late that he smoked harder than Vladi Divac, or the Laker-obsessed media and the pipe Mike Malone told them to smoke on post-game. And I guess we're putting it in our pipe and smoking it too here, as our next guest covers the Lakers for SB Nation. So let's puff, puff, pass it over to Harrison Fagan. Tweet him at HMFagan. And let them know if you were smoking that good Lakers pack last night after they blew a game they were in control of. And now their season may be going up in smoke. Harrison, welcome back to the hot seat of the hot box here on the FNA podcast. How are you? Incredible intro, I have to say. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that given your guys' sort of team allegiances that you were uh, smoking on that Laker pack last night, and uh, yeah, it would be hard to blame you. That was a, uh, you know, it was funny. I was on the radio yesterday, and I said the thing that would give me the least confidence in the series is if the Lakers lost a tight game. Like, if they just straight up no-showed last night, I would have said, okay, they're just tired. They're, you know, regroup, rally the troops, come back, you know, try and win game three and four at home. But they threw a hell of a counterpunch, and ended up coming up short anyway. And now that's two games that for a team that has been up and down in energy and execution and their ability to sort of rise to the occasion where they have, you know, thrown a pretty good punch and come up 0 for 2. And I, I just wonder, you know, you would assume we're going to get the no-show here at some point in this series. And uh, now they're down 0-2, you know, when it potentially is on the way. To start things off, though, because I just got this text from Mike Malone, he wants me to focus in on asking you about that Jamal Murray fourth quarter historic performance with the 23 points before he gets upset and says... I'll butt in by saying, for someone who says he doesn't care what the media says, he sure as hell hears all of it. Harrison, do you think he's just trying to rally and motivate his guys maybe a little bit? He... I mean, that has to be part of it. I think some of it has to be my, like, you know, every coach has tried to do the us against the world mentality, you know, for it's, it's pretty rare from a number one seed with the two time MVP, but who like basically every single media member, I think picked to win this series or, you know, most of the national ones, at least I know the majority of ESPN predictions were nuggets, you know, taking this one. So yeah, you know, I I just definitely do not want to disrespect Michael Malone. Okay. Guys, don't get it wrong. He doesn't Ah. like Mike. he, he will yell at you on live TV if you go with Mike. So, um, you know, although at this point I'm tempted to go Mikey just to see if he, like, you know, calls me out directly in a press conference. Hey, Mikey, he doesn't he like that. No. <laughs> no, I would assume he doesn't like Mikey, but I, I think maybe it's worth a shot. You know, he, he's just like, you know, many media members were calling me Mikey, 
And I just don't, it's another sign of disrespect towards this great Denver Nuggets organization. And yeah, I, I think he has shown that he is uh, certainly the most online head coach. And, you know, I guess to, to give him some credit and give his team some credit. Yeah, Jamal Murray was incredible. The Lakers, there was nothing he could do, they could do to stop him last night. It's like, I didn't even think the defense they played on him was that terrible. He just was un- just unbelievable display of shot making. And yeah, like all credit to him and the Nuggets. And that, that was uh, incredible incredible basketball game that uh, ripped my heart out. Anthony Davis is taking some incoming and has throughout this entire playoffs. Really, when the Lakers have lost, he's not played well, and offensively, at least last night, didn't come close to matching what he did in game one. Do you think the criticism is warranted, or do you think that he's a bit worn out having to shoulder the brunt of the responsibility both offensively and defensively for the team? I definitely think it's partially the latter thing for sure. And to be honest, I feel like the criticism of him has been a little bit over the top for the most part during this playoff run. Last night, I think, was the first time where I felt like it was fairly warranted, or at least one of the few times where I felt like, okay, you know, I mean, he was obviously, he was great defensively last night. I thought, you know, a, a couple of those goaltending calls were just wrong, or at least, you know, in uh, it, it sort of should have been contested a little bit and were just weird. Um, but, you know, I, I, the refs make mistakes and that stuff happens. I'm certainly not blaming the officials for that one when the Lakers, you know, played a pretty terrible game offensively down the stretch and definitely lost it well on their own, uh, in addition to having some help from Jamal Murray. But yeah, I thought AD shot selection for the most part last night was pretty terrible, especially down the stretch. You could see, you know, I don't know if it's tired legs. I don't know if the Lakers just were like, well, you know, in the bubble, he made every three versus the Nuggets. So maybe he has some like mystical powers versus the team. So he should just take four threes in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I mean, he made that one corner three to bring it really close and sort of get the Lakers back into it that I had no faith in, in the world was going in when he let it fly and then proceeded to miss two more down the stretch and yeah, I just did not like really anything about his offensive game last night. So to kind of further this point, what do you attribute to the inconsistencies of Anthony Davis throughout these playoffs? Because going back to the bubble, he was very consistent. I think in 17 of the 21 games, he scored 20 points or more for them. And he averaged, I believe, 30 a game with the Pelicans in the two or three playoff series he was in then. He was a monster at times in the playoffs. Is it too much on his plate defensively? Is he just not the same guy offensively? And those shooting splits where he was shooting like Kevin Durant in the bubble were never going to be sustainable? How do you uh, see Anthony (laughs) Davis's play? Yeah, I I don't think the more muscular Kevin Durant shooting splits from the bubble were necessarily going to be sustainable. We saw a lot of guys shoot better in the bubble. Uh, Again, I don't I don't put an asterisk on that because it's like every team played in the same conditions. It's not like only Anthony Davis had that shooting backdrop. Um, But yeah, I mean, and also we see guys every single year in the playoffs have a random hot shooting run. Like, you know, the one that I always remember is Trevor Ariza, who was like a mediocre to bad three point shooter for like the entire season. And then in 2009, shot like 45 percent from three in the playoffs as the Lakers were on the run to the title. Like, you know, these kind of things, it's a smaller sample size. Guys go on heaters and this stuff just happens. And so, you know, I think that's part of it is, you know, that was not going to be sustainable at all. Um, You know, I think part of it is, how much this team is asking more of him defensively than that bubble team did where, you know, he had someone, you know, larger, like he had Dwight and JaVale to guard bigger guys. He was able to kind of serve that Romer role more naturally on defense and able to serve as like the greatest help defender of all time. Sort of like we've seen him do to a degree in this play in these playoffs. Um, but you know, his defensive responsibility was just less in the bubble. And so that's part of it. He also is, 
he's clearly hurt and he was, you know, this is not to make excuses necessarily. This is just acknowledging reality. And he, you know, missed a good chunk of the season with that foot injury, the stress reaction that is to my, I mean, they still list him with it every game. That's an ongoing injury where I'm sure that that is, you know, somewhat part of the fatigue factor and how much energy he's able to exert. I think that there's a chance, you know, like I believe they said that there's a chance he has to have a procedure during the off season on that, but that he can play through it right now, as long as it's sort of managed. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he's not a hundred percent physically, but really no one is by this point in the playoffs. So, you know, I, I think it's a variety of things, but I think the most, the main thing that I would attribute it to is the defensive ask, which is just, he he's covering up for a lot of guys that are just bad defenders and sort of single-handedly lifting this Lakers team up to be the best defense in the playoffs but that is going to sap your legs offensively a little bit which is why I think we've seen some of those uneven shooting nights do you think the same thing has played LeBron James because I feel like he's giving a lot of effort on the defensive end in this series as well but the ill-advised three-pointer at the end of game one that would have I think cut the lead to three or maybe even actually a tie at the game they were down by three at that point and then the missed reverse layup at the end of the game uh, yet on yesterday taking some ill-advised three-pointers without even moving the ball once or twice. Uh, I kind of feel like LeBron James is a little bit tired as well on the offensive end, and it's affecting offensive possessions, probably not the best decisions by LeBron. And the team said all the right things. Austin Reeves stuck up for him in in postgame, so did Darvin Ham. Mm -hmm. They're not going to call him out publicly, but I'm sure behind closed doors, they probably tell him, probably need to work for a little bit of a better shot, especially in a road environment like Denver and I already have the momentum that's been going on their side cascade on you even more with the poor shot selection. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I think we're, we're like, we're like one game of this away from Michael Malone, just being like, you know, the question that I have is, is LeBron James playable in this series? I think that's something (laughs) that, you know, the Lakers are going to have to, figure out you know he, he's feeling himself so we're again if they go up 3-0 I, I fully expect it um but no I mean yeah I, I think that LeBron again is playing on a foot where he has said he may have to get get surgery in the offseason he has said that every doctor other than the LeBron James of feet you know or I guess over in Germany uh told him that he needed to get surgery now and he's come back and play on it so you know again but I, I also think the majority of this though is just he's 38 years old and he's guarding the MVP for a good chunk of that game on defense as a center, a guy that outweighs him by like, you know, at least 50 pounds, I, I would assume, based on, without looking at their listed weights and is one of the strongest players in the NBA. So that's going to sap your legs. And, you know, to be honest, this is not out of character for LeBron over his Lakers tenure. He, you know, this is a pet peeve of many Lakers fans is, you know, LeBron is great. He is, he has done incredible things and lifted this franchise in many ways, but down the stretch of games, his shot selection leaves something to be desired. He, you know, will settle for threes. He's very confident in his three point shot, despite I think being like over 10 in this Nuggets series so far and uh from deep and you know the the missed layups I can't even like get upset about it's like that is just like a complete freak thing I don't know I don't know that I've ever seen LeBron miss like three or four layups or dunk attempts in the same game that I I have no idea what's going on there and that's like you know you would think would sort of normalize over the course of the series or maybe not um but you know it's the shot selection down the stretch of the game I'm hesitant to like destroy him for it too much because it's like look what else he's having to do on the other end and how much energy he's having to exert at 38 but at the same time you know we have to acknowledge reality that maybe it's just not sustainable for a 38 year old to carry this much of a load and he's going to need some more help from ad he got plenty of help from the role players last night i thought austin reeves and rui hachimura were great but you know i think it's more he needs ad to step up a little bit more offensively I, i just don't know that it's like a reasonable or realistic ask for how much he's having to do 
And AD has the second worst raw plus minus of the series at a minus 18. When he's on the court, they've been outscored by 18 points. And obviously, his offense was lacking in a big way last night. LeBron, though, obviously deserves a lot of blame for taking four threes in a row when they're up by two under seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. But what can be done right now? Like, we've seen lineup changes in this series. We've seen defensive strategies against Nikola Jokic. What are Lakers fans clamoring for Darvin Ham to do next to try to give them an advantage? Oh, well, that that's a mistake to add. You know, that's a, that's a bad <laughs> framing of the question. I, I have to say, like, what are Lakers? Lakers fans are clamoring for Darvin Ham to, you know, bench D'Angelo Russell and, like, suspend him from the team and, you know, like, just uh, just announce that they're not re-signing him. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to Lakers fans for my strategic adjustment on this one, or at least not the loudest ones. But, yeah, no, I mean, in, in uh, at least not the loudest ones in my mentions. Um, you know, the I would say, I think the Lakers have actually schematically done a pretty good and smart job on Nikola Gokic. Like, I don't think he's necessarily been the one killing them this series, although he's obviously been great. And again, like, you know, shout out to Michael Malone. I want to give Jokic plenty of credit. He's been incredible against those defensive coverages. I just think that the Lakers have done a pretty good job in terms of finding ways to limit his impact as much as they can. I thought the LeBron on him adjustment last night was smart. I think that post defense is one of the areas where LeBron really engages on that end. And so it's a good way to get him in engaged get him actually doing something on defense and when he's the focal point and he doesn't want to get embarrassed and then it still frees you up to use ad as the roamer and you have one last guy getting sort of back cut by bruce brown or you know michael porter jr or whoever it may be and so i I thought that a lot of the stuff they've done on Jokic has been really smart i think the jamal murray incredible shot making last night really was what sort of what saved the nuggets and as far as rotational or strategic adjustments like i just really do not think this is a jared vanderbilt series i thought he was better last night than he was in game one when he was I think in my opinion the worst player on the floor which pains me to say I'm a huge Jared Vanderbilt fan like I love his game I just don't think that this is a series for him I think that he you know should probably be if not out of the rotation have his minutes severely limited um, I would like to see you know some more Wenyan Gabriel minutes and I know like anyone you know any national a- a- NBA fan or you guys like are going to laugh at that and it's like Wenyan Gabriel's the big adjustment like I-, I don't think that he's the big X factor that is going to save the series but I would like to see the Lakers in those bench lineups with Jokic off the floor play a little bigger and I think that he is more of a rim deterrent and where you know right now against that Rui LeBron front court the Nuggets are just having like a parade of layup lines to the rim I think Wenyan would help the transition defense a little bit during those minutes and so again I don't think that he's like a catch-all salve but I think replacing Vando with him in the rotation would be a good move as well as, you know, I think Austin Reeves's minutes are going to have to go up. And I think Rui's minutes are going to have to go up because those are two guys that have shown, I think that they can play against this team and, you know, potentially D'Angelo Russell's minutes are going to have to go down. I I don't know that necessarily they're going to bench him or not start him or, you know, get him out of the rotation entirely. I certainly don't think they're going to do that, but I think that his minutes may have to be cut. And I think you're going to have to go with Austin Rui, uh, Dennis Schroeder, you know, those guys uh, play them higher minutes. And that's the tough part about D'Angelo Russell, too, because it seems like, at least to me, and this is anecdotal, and you cover the team a lot more closely than I do, but when they win games, especially when they win convincingly, D'Angelo is kind of the X factor who stands out and plays well, gets out to great starts, especially offensively. But, you know, he's just such a turnstile on defense, and when he's not giving you much on the offensive end of the floor, he's a net negative across the board. Dennis Schroeder, by the way, dealing with an injury of his own. You know, he talked about going back to Germany, or his wife at least, you know, going back to Germany if they would have uh, beaten the, uh-huh. uh, the yeah. last series in one fewer game, and he wasn't able to do that. 
uh, I guess in a macro sense when it comes to D'Angelo Russell, I know you joked about it a minute ago saying fans don't want to sign him back. Do you think that him possibly having some deficiencies in this series and not playing particularly well, well would determine or uh, would actually deter the Lakers from trying to extend him? Or do you think over the course of an 82-game season, we know the kind of player he can be, and in certain matchups he can be an exceptional three-point shooter and a great offensive player, that regardless of how this plays out, he's still in their long-term plans? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, I didn't realize that I was talking to a man of culture as well, a fellow Dennis Schroeder vlog connoisseur, yes, uh, you know, that was ah. uh, getting in these updates. I, I, I unabashedly love Dennis's vlog. It is the weirdest yeah. media thing that any player does uh, where he just like will randomly just, you know, like release a video. He's like, yeah, I went to Disneyland. We got a big game tomorrow, but, you know, I'm out late and it's I think it's going to be fine and like destroy the the Grizzlies in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, I, I Dennis cracks me up. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as D'Angelo Russell, though, I, I think you're spot on. Honestly, he, he has been the barometer for the Lakers where they don't necessarily need him to play amazing to win. But when he does play amazing, they are they have essentially been unbeatable since they acquired him in a trade where, you know, on those hot shooting nights, like he's such a luxury for this team that it's just it's hard to beat this team when they get a good performance from D'Angelo Russell. I think the Nuggets have done a really smart thing by number one, they are hunting him on offense. And I think that that is like, he is the number one weak point in any number one defensive weak point in any Lakers lineup. I think that you're going to have, he just is not, you know, he's, his effort has been up and down and his awareness is up and down. But even when he's fully locked in, he is just not the most physically capable defender. And so I think that that is absolutely, you know, the right call by them to go at him. I think that you physically fatigue him and then he's less able to contribute offensively, which is sort of his, uh, like main utility anyway. Before I sort of, you know, a, a get into the D'Lo, should he be resigned, whatever, I, I want to see how he plays at home. Uh, he has traditionally been better, you know, at home, like most role players are. And so, uh, you know, I want to see how he plays in these next two games at the Crypt. But um, yeah, I mean, it certainly, he's not helping his case it, to get a big contract this summer, nor is, you know, Michael Malone uh, and his uh, very smart coaching staff by number one, their game plan of going right at him and then like calling him out repeatedly in the media. Well, Mike Malone's been calling a lot of people out now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. We would call him out if I'm he didn't you, he's call coming for me out. next. I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to make it happen by game three. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going to keep calling him Mikey. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> he's definitely getting fined. Uh, let me ask you this, Harrison, to close things out. Game three tomorrow. We know it's a tough road to hoe, winning four of the next five against Denver, but it starts with one. Lakers are actually already favored in game three. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I, I see them winning game three just because I, I they can't lose it. You know, I, I, if they lose it, they're going to get swept. And so I, I think that they're going to have a lot more motivation than the Nuggets. Uh, although, you know, credit to the Nuggets. They seem to have shown a lot of killer instinct so far, these playoffs and this playoff run. They may be ready to just put the nail in the coffin and make me look like an idiot for predicting Lakers in seven. But I, I think that I think the Lakers are going to take this game three. Game four is the one that I'm more concerned about because that's the one where, you know, it's it, does this turn into a longer series or is it going to be a gentleman sweep? And, you know, I, I think they do end up winning game three, but I am less confident about it after seeing how hard they had to play last night and how exhausted they looked afterwards. Not to mention LeBron missing that dunk. Oh, well, that didn't help. Or the one, the ball slipping out of his hands. 
You know, that was free. It was, uh, Father yeah. Time really, you know, th- those commercials were a mistake and Father Time put the clamps on him last night. <laughs> it was an unbelievable performance from Jason Momoa. Yeah, smacked him right in the face. Father Time cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Fagan, yeah. silver screener role, does a phenomenal job covering the Lakers. And he's like, like these Laker fanboys who just slobber all over LeBron and AD. He keeps it real. We love having him on the FNA podcast. Harrison, thanks a lot, brother, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on and maybe talking about the Lakers in the NBA Finals. Who knows? You know, at this rate, that feels less likely, but, you know, I will I will keep hope alive. I, I, I certainly hope so, guys. The hopium is strong with this one. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, Harrison. <laughs> All right, have a good one, guys. Harrison Fagan, back on the FNA podcast. Hey, people love him. They love when he comes on and talks Lakers, especially when they're down 0-2 in a best-of-seven Western Conference Finals. He so does a great job. At least I do. Not a, well, not a fanboy either, which I appreciate about him because a lot of these people these days are. These people. So he keeps it very honest. What do you mean, you people? And you guys are honest most of the time, too. Mostly when giving Adam a bunch of crap. So uh, 949-478-1197 is the number. And we have some voicemails to get to, Adam. We have one, two, three, four that came in. They all look pretty legit. Let's see if I get some more undeserved crap. Let's see. So this one came in on Sunday night. Adam, this is Ryan. I know I've privately told you my opinion, on Pinkus. This guy, I was fine with the interview and listening to him argue with himself for seven to nine minutes at a time is what it is and generally not worth calling and leaving a voicemail. But is this guy that dense that he legitimately thinks the teams are losing money? That he, this, this, has he never looked into anything with regards to how easy it is for a business to operate in the red on the books without actually losing money? Does he legitimately think that billionaires are willingly throwing away $200 million a year? Does he not understand how massive the national TV deal is for the NBA? If you guys want to keep having this boring fucking guy on, whatever, but you've got to push back a little bit more when he's selling that BS narrative. I did! That are actually losing money. You pushed back a little bit at the beginning, but then he just got on a train, and I actually am calling in the middle of his answer, because it's so absurd that he's pushing this line that NBA teams are actually, that Minnesota and Milwaukee are actually losing money, and then saying, oh, it's going to drive the sale price down. What? When has the sale price of any sports team, let alone the NBA, ever gone down? They're selling at record rates. Absolutely ludicrous. Keep bringing the guy on so he can argue with himself for nine minutes at a time. But Jesus Christ, push back on him a little bit when he tries to sell some bullshit that's just factually untrue and absurd. My only report to to that would be Adam did push back on it. Jesus. And had a conversation for about three, four minutes about it. You got so, me saying JC now. Yeah, I don't know what more you want Adam to do. Ryan has a hard time listening. Like, he really does. More on that coming up here. He just really struggles with trying to push aside what he wants to hear. For what actually is said, yeah, he's one of those people. And full disclosure, I did get tipped off that he called in okay. to the Talk S hotline. All right. He did let me know that. Okay. So I think we have one more from Ryan here. So before I completely go in on him, maybe we can hear this one. Let's see if this is from him, too. It looks like it might be. All right. This is Ryan again. I'll slightly retract my 
criticism of the two of you for not pushing back because I did get to the part where you started to push back on his absurd statement. But this guy's such a fucking computer that he can't read between the lines. Er, well, the revenue's not been reported officially. I don't know the sources. So, uh, mm, uh, he just, what, the, the franchises are selling for billions of dollars because they're losing money? Really? It, absolute absurdity. It's, it's, it's a ridiculously absurd argument, and he should be banned from the show forever for even trying to say something that dumb. That's all. Love you guys. Bye. Well, uh, one thing I will say, Ryan, is I appreciate the fact that you listened to the remainder of the interview and then called in and had a retort. We'll get my that. My suggestion would be maybe listen to the entire thing and then call in and react so mm. you don't have to come back with the second voicemail. He was too triggered immediately. Yeah. He's had a difficult time with Eric Pincus for whatever reason. Most of our listeners love him. And you can get to him on Twitter Directly. and ask him yeah. about it, what he said about the Milwaukee Bucks losing money. We push back a little bit. Yeah. And we can agree to disagree to a certain point, even yeah. though I feel like the raw numbers are somewhat out there. Maybe they're not making as much as they could, but I'm kind of in lockstep with Adam that I don't think that they're actually losing money in the red. That was kind of my point. Yeah. So uh, Whether or not they're making as much as the Golden State Warriors is one thing. Whether or not they're making money is another. Right. And I think they are, but look, I don't when know Eric if... says something, I do. it has some weight to and it, look, he especially has... when he's talking numbers. And look, he mentioned he has sourcing within the NBA, and are they going to be up and up and honest with him? He even said, I don't know. He's not sure. So, you know. Who knows what the actual numbers are, but Ryan and Adam, I intend to agree with you that I don't believe that many of these sports franchises in any league, other than like the WNBA or something, are losing money. The majority of them are making it. How much they're making is is a different story. And the NBA actually buoys the WNBA. They do. They lose money on the WNBA every year and have for, I guess, is year 25, 26, they're saying now. Speaking of Ryan from the PMS Union. He did call in last week, too, to criticize me on something. Can we hear that for a second? Let's play the wind chimes and go back in time a little bit. Adam, you're such a goddamn idiot. (laughs) First you say it makes no sense and it's pointless to compare Magic Johnson to Steph Curry. And then immediately after you say, obviously everyone would take Steph Curry over Magic Johnson. So, this was a call from Ryan on the Talk Ass Hotline on our last show, 949-478-1197. Here's what he was referring to. I actually pulled the clip okay. of what I really said the show beforehand, so a couple of shows ago, that got him to call in and say that. Well, that's why I say throw the point guard stuff out of it. Who cares about right. him versus Magic when the game is so much different? Of course, in this era, you'd rather have Steph at the one than Magic Johnson, who'd probably be playing... He'd be some hybrid, you know, point forward Luka type Doncic's or point, point center guard. type. So, wait, wait, wait. I just said, in this era, you'd rather have Steph Curry. But wait, what, As, did, what did he say I said again? Adam, you're such a goddamn idiot. <laughs> First, you say it makes no sense and it's pointless to compare Magic Johnson to Steph Curry. And then immediately after you say, obviously, everyone would take Steph Curry over Magic Johnson. Gross mischaracterization, void of context, hearing what he wants to hear. Nostalgia merchant himself, (laughs) Ryan from the PMS Union, who we do love, but just a little uh, corrections and retractions here, I guess. Quit trying to bite a real show. A couple more to get to before we check out of here. FNA, this is Tori. I. PGA preview. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Um, I, I I see two names, maybe three. Um, two being uh, 
John Rahm, even though he's number one in the world, I know that it's not much of an underdog pick. But the second would be Cameron Young. Um, if if I were to give someone that's playing on the Live Tour, probably DJ because he won last week and he shot back to back sixty twos. Um, I can't think of too many others, maybe except. Uh, Cut that bitch off! Next call. We got his picks in. We got his picks in. And we can see how long the voicemail was, so it wasn't actually kept short. Short is, uh, yeah. Now, we do love Torrey Pines, Juan Patrick. He is our golf expert. And PGA Championship this weekend. Bryson, who just deflated out of nowhere, uh, is the leader right now. Right now, as of Friday morning, uh, they just started the second round. Okay, good. But, But, I mean... 90 seconds, story. Come on. Yeah. We, we just got to be a little more concise keep, and brief with it there. Got to keep it moving. All right. Last one. Adam, today's Wednesday, May 17th. Uh, when you get this message, can you please call me back at 866-899-2647? This is about an additional tax refund for the business for the years 2020 and 2021. Let's call him back. You're yeah, actually scheduled to receive about $26,000 for every W-2 employee you had on payroll. Oh, no, I'll tell you how many employees we had. Exactly. Just need you to call back. Bree, this is for you. Exactly. So we're going to get $26,000 back for Bree for all the money we paid you, Bree, over the last couple of years. Are we Damn. getting that loan that the Lakers tried to take? Yeah, exactly. The, the PPP loan? <laughs> Unreal. I do one, one out of four being spam. I yeah. mean, that's not bad for us. No. 75% of the calls were legit. It's pretty good hit rate, you know? <laughs> Jeez. We, all right. We thank all of you legitimate callers yeah. uh, for calling in, Tori, and, of course, Ryan. And if you guys, because he gave his number out, want to call and spam him, yeah, please guy, do. By all means. And tell him to stop calling the FNA podcast, <laughs> exactly. you deadbeat. Yes, but we want you to call 949-478-1197. Thank you. Stay out of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Hit us up on social media as well, at KFIG1, at Follow Adam A on Twitter, at FNA Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. You know, uh, you win game one of the playoffs, and all everybody talked about was the Lakers. Let's be honest. That was a national narrative was, hey, the Lakers are fine. They're down 1-0, but they figured something out. No one talked about Nikola just had a historic performance. He's got 13 triple doubles now, third all time. What he's doing is just incredible, but the narrative wasn't about the Nuggets. The narrative wasn't about Nikola. The narrative is about the Lakers and their adjustments. So, you know, you put that in your pipe, you smoke it, and you come back, and you know what? We're going to go up 2-0. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.